What is up, everybody? Jim to my right, Mr. Ryan Muckenhern across from us right now. Gentlemen, we're going to do something uh, we don't do very often. We're going to talk about optics today, specifically, specifically, kind of the uh, the Strike Eagle, Strike Eagle versus the Venom series of optics, both of which fall in our quotation mark tactical realm of optics, and uh, if we're going to address the uh, the boxes in the room, we have some new addition. New additions. If you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see a couple boxes displayed on the table here. We have the optics pulled out of the boxes on the table. And uh, these are both two very cool, capable series of optics, but there are some differences. They've really grown. They've they've really matured in the last couple of years. Yes. So, uh, think it back. I remember when the Strike Eagle first came out, and all it was was one singular low-power variable optic. And now that whole family has... Long-range capable rifle scopes in you know a couple of different configurations, and then the Venom came along, and uh, to also address the, the question marks that some people may have as to why these even bear comparison, and why when you look at them they may appear a bit similar, especially in their configurations. They have many similar configurations. You can have similar configurations across rifle scopes. But they can be in different tiers. And in our, our tactical lineup of optics, if you looked at our good, better, best approach, the Venom would be that starting range, that good, and then the Strike Eagle is better up from there. And this can be a few features that I'm sure we'll get into. It can be optical quality, which is also the case here. You know, and then you move up to our PST, and then you move up to the Razors. Uh, and, of course, there's the gen 2s and the gen 3s now and and you just continue to get better and better and there's features and again optical quality and, and things of that nature that all play into that but that's how the the tiered system works here so in this case talking about what do you get when you step up to the strike eagle what do you get with the extremely extremely capable uh venom and uh you know in in what case would you maybe need to go with the strike eagle in what case would you be absolutely fit as a fiddle with the Venom. Did you? Would you say that that's about I, it, I, I think that's fair. You know, and I always, when I think about a scope series like the Venom, it's our entry point, but there is nothing entry level about it. No, no. We have, and we've, you know, this is like, whenever we talk about our own products, it can feel a little bit like you're patting yourself on the back at times, but like, there's there's what some people will refer to as like entry level optics. Thanks, Mark, for patting me uh, on my back so I didn't have to do it. Um, <laughs> there's like entry level optics. There's like clamshell stuff at yeah. you know at, you know some big box store that really doesn't even specialize in anything outdoorsy. Uh, and then there's what what we at Vortex would consider like an entry level. And, and our entry level is I would say far different. It's a significant step up. And, you know, it has to meet a certain set of criteria. It has to be able to perform. It has to be reliable. It has to be um, something that we would actually feel proud putting our name on and that somebody would actually feel proud putting on their firearm or using in the field somehow. Um, and, I mean, we're, like, we're absolutely in this, too. Like, we put a VIP warranty on everything. That means that we stand behind everything that we make with an actual promise uh, that we uphold. So we don't want to put anything out there that isn't, uh, that isn't really, really solid. So anyway, like Mark said, it's, it's the entry level in Vortex, but uh, it's really, really an amazing uh, series there with the Venom. So 
how do how do we want to go about? Talk, do we want to talk about these just the each series and then the next or commonalities or Ryan? What do you suggest there, Mark? Let's introduce the first two. The, um, the boxes in the room. Yeah, let's introduce the boxes in the room. Okay, so originally, yeah, to start the Venom yep. series was a five to twenty five by fifty six with a thirty four millimeter tube. Uh, very high-end optics. Uh, first focal plane. First, first focal plane. Comes in mil or MOA. Uh, rev stop zero system. Mm. Fast focus eyepiece. Left side parallax going down to, Ryan. Mark. If memory serves. of 15 yards. 15 yards. Yeah. 15 yards to infinity. Yeah. That's the EVR7C reticle in there, too. So we put the latest and greatest that we've got in the Vortex lineup. Same one you get in the Razor Gen 3. Same one you get across the board, too. So it's that's the latest and greatest reticle. So sweet optic. So then what happened, Mark? Well, then we loved it so much, we wanted to add to the family. So we've added, we'll go, we'll stick in the long range game here, long range, intermediate range. We've got a 3 to 15 by 44, all those same features that we just talked about, uh, but a capped windage turret. We so, also reduced parallax by five additional yards. Yes. Down to 10 yards Whew. in this one. That's tight. What is? 10 yards. Oh, yeah. It absolutely is. So, Ryan, maybe it bears worth you know, talking about, like, oh, you look at these, both of these, and you're like, oh, man, that's for long range and, you know, pretty high magnification. We're talking sure. dialing turrets, sure. zero stops. Why uh, would a, a parallax that goes down to 20 yards or 15 yards or 10. Be, or 10 be important to a person? Well, past couple of years, we've seen this explosion um, in the American shooting, well, global shooting landscape for rimfire and air gun. Now, this isn't saying that the Venom is only for rimfires and air guns. No. If you want to mount this up on your 338 Edge or your 408 Shytech 50 Browning machine gun, please, by all means. Um, but a lot of these little competitions that are popping up all over the place will often have very short courses of fire, intentionally so, that the shooter has to then flex their knowledge of like mechanical offset, so like center line to bore. Um, and we're shooting extremely small targets, mm -hmm. like quarter-inch diameter, half-inch diameter targets. Like an Altoid. Like an Altoid. Um, and that 10-yard minimum parallax distance is very handy for that. Um, and especially in, like, the air gun communities. And, and I don't want to inspire, like, BB guns. Like, some of these air guns. Yeah. We're not talking Red Riders here. No. Some of these air guns are, like, multi-hundred-yard capable, um, you know, compressed air spectacularly accurate think like olympic level precision um competition rifles and so those shooters will engage in much the same courses of fire and sometimes even more difficult having that parallax short up to, to 10 yards is of course increasing your accuracy potential exponentially without having to worry about like demagnifying to try to hide um you know parallax error or or image resolution errors that you would otherwise see on a on an optic that had a further parallax distance. Um, but as Mark had alluded to, some of the biggest tangible changes between of course the three to fifteen and the five to twenty five, aside from magnification, it's gonna be size, mm -hmm. intern weight, objective diameter. Was it fifty six to forty four? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. 
omitting the exposed windage turret to a capped windage turret. And that's to kind of fall in line with the DMR-esque mm-hmm. build. But also, we don't see dialing of wind that commonly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're on a static you know, firing distance, perhaps... Um, Which you still could do. Oh, yeah. Right? Just, if you wanted to do if, that, just pull the cap and do that. If the timer and the conditions allow, dialing wind in the field's totally fine. Um, and if you want to dial that that low-profile capped windage turret, please. Um, but all the same awesome feature set. So rev stop, zero stop system, included throw lever, the whole nine yards. Uh, I just want to not, I want to, well, I'm interrupting you. So I, I was going to say not to interrupt you, but I did. So I'm going to, sorry, Ryan. But I feel like if the Venom is at the entry level of Vortex, then you have, we run into the potential of having certainly many people, uh, as we've seen in the last couple of years, too, who are new to firearms, uh, wanting to get something like this for their gun. So can we just real quick talk? Because I know it's also going to come up in the topic of conversation with Strike Eagle, the Rev Stop Zero system, mm-hmm. and dialing your elevation and windage in general, because we've mentioned that terminology a lot. Yep. So as you shoot at greater and greater distances or change the distances in which you're shooting, you need to account for different amounts of bullet drop and also potentially certain environmental factors, wind, and so on. And so your turrets are essentially your etch-a-sketch into uh, putting your reticle in the right spot that when you hold that reticle on the target um, or that certain spot, you know, on the reticle on the target, you're going to hit the target. Now, you have elevation and windage. It's literally up, down, left, right. And your up, down, that's the one you're going to be dying the most because uh, anytime you change distance, you are, you know, changing the amount of drop that you have to compensate for. Um, You know, wind can go left or right. It can be there. It can be not there. You can, you know, do some other little tricks with your reticle with wind, but you you oftentimes will find yourself dialing up and down. That's a constant. Yep. Yep. And since gravity only works in one direction, you usually find yourself dialing, you know, at least to start from your zero, you find yourself dialing in the up direction, uh, you know, most often. And then when you're done dialing up, a lot of people want to go back to their zero. So the next time they go out and shoot, they're not sort of scratching their head trying to remember where they last left off. And so that is where, you know, we come all the way full circle back around to the ref stop zero system. Uh, let's say that you dialed for a really long shot and you actually rotated all the way around 360 degrees around your turret and you're on the second revolution of that turret. Well, that's where you're like, oh, shoot. And this has happened many times. Where you am think I? it won't happen to you, it will. You think, where am I? You simply dial all the way back down in that rev stop system, which you set very easily. There's instructions inside on how to do it. Um, you set very easily. It will stop. Boom. Hard stop. Five clicks beyond your zero. It's just in case. And then you know, one, two, three, four, five, boom, you're back on your zero. And so you can start over from there. So that's what a rev stop zero system is doing. Um, and that kind of, uh, you know, if you didn't have that, that's where all of a sudden, like we said, you're wondering, oh, shoot, where am I in this in this turret's travel range? Well, and as long as we're going, going over a few of the basics here, we should probably mention all this dialing that Jim is talking about is assuming you've gone through the process of getting accurate ballistics data so you know how much to dial to compensate for yes. each respective range you want to engage. Yeah. In which case, check out the Geoballistics Ballistics Calculator, which you can get on your phone. Boom. Uh, so, sorry for the intermission there, guys. But, um, yeah, that's those are, like, these are features that not even 10 years ago 
if you would have told someone that you could get it in a rifle scope that cost less than five hundred dollars, they would have told you that that rifle scope was probably made out of like paper and tinsel, because like there there was no feasible way that that was actually possible. And if you actually did it, it would be like just a, a complete and utter disaster. But things have really really changed, and with the venom, you have. Um, a solution that, you know, sans a couple of features that we'll get into with the Strike Eagle uh, that may be useful in certain applications. It's like, I can't think of why why not. It's it's so good. You give this scope to somebody who's been shooting for years and years and years and years and years. And, you know, again, provided they don't need, like, the illumination like we'll talk about in the Strike Eagle or something along those lines, they're not going to be held up by it at all. At all. The scope will not hold you up in any way. Incredibly capable. But it's Jim, very exciting. what if a person's, you know, maybe they're not into the long range thing or, or maybe they just need something for their AR. Maybe they're more of a low power variable optic type of person. Is there something in the Venom line for them? Could there be? And we'll swing it on over to Ryan <laughs> Muckiner who's holding on to the, the excuse me, Venom 1 to 6. The Venom 1 to 6, low powered variable in addition to the Venom line that makes 3. Got it. One to six, three to fifteen, five to twenty-five. Oh, the full gambit. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty special little optic. So here again, looking at um, the affordability and accessibility of of the AR platform. Not that this can only be put on an AR. No, these we're gonna have a lot of folks putting these on slug guns, lever guns, bolt action hunting rifles, etc. But um, you can get yourself a pretty whiz bang AR these days for not a lot of money. And here again, keeping up with the way that we like to do things here, we want to offer a shooter a solution at every step of the way uh, with respect to price point. Um, and that's where the Venom 1 to 6 is going to come in. So it's a low-powered variable. Most of them follow the same um, suit as far as like feature sets. We have uh, capped uh, windage and elevation. We have a multi-level brightness of illumination. You'll notice it's 6. It's not 11. It's 6 which is, is a little bit different for us, I will say that. But We oftentimes go to 11. Yeah, we do. The six brightnesses, I think, are much better optimized, um, and we're saving you some potential time rotating it. Six is nuclear bright for an etch-and-fill reticle. Um, there's plenty of material in there uh, to illuminate that reticle, and it is plenty bright. So if you're a three-gunner and you want to use this on 1X, treating it much like a red dot, both eyes open affair, uh, it will work quite handily. Um, if you're going to run into uh, low light scenarios in which you really want to dim down your illumination, that one, two, three, four setting is going to be ideal for uh, everything in between. I feel like we have a reverse situation of spinal tap here because then the guy would be going, go, right, so if that's nuclear bright, and why didn't you just make it go to 11? And then you'd be like, well, we just we just cut out we just cut out some of the middle ones, and we just we just made it go to six, but we made six really bright. Maybe like. Right, but it doesn't go to 11. Just, you just turn it to 11. Well, speaking of the uh, the middles, Jim, it probably is worth mentioning that between each of those six brightness settings, there is an off position. Oh, so, so if you, you want to right be on desired. a preferred setting, like you kind of know what setting you're likely going to want to be on in a, in a certain condition, you know, it, it can be just a click away without having to cycle through. Also, just even just turning it on and off is nice because it's just, you know, it's just one click. That's a great transition. I feel like we could be on QVC. We could be like the micro 
of rifle scope seals. But speaking of transitions, once again, you also get the included throw lever on the magnification ring for making mm. transitions between magnifications oh, uh, very quickly Holy and efficiently. smokes. Jim, you said earlier, like, hey, we don't want to pat ourselves on the back. I don't know. That's pretty good. I appreciate that. Yep. Those uh, are handy. No, it really is. It used yeah. to be, you know, like a, a thing that you would, you know, have to go and, and get separately, but it just comes right in the box and throws your piece. lever. Throws your lever. Yep. Whatever throws your lever. Um, this is the, the second focal plane. Second focal plane. ARBDC3 reticle. Yep. Yes. Which is a reticle that we've been monkeying with now for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, optimized around the 556 platform. However, works with anything else you want to throw at it. Um, I've had folks using these on crossbows. So yeah, like real real fast again, just for those out there who are hearing BDC and, and raising an eyebrow. Uh, and we're going to blast past, you know, our, our 10, 20 minute mark, whatever. But uh, six minutes. So, <laughs> so a BDC stands for ballistic drop compensation. You don't need to worry about that. Just call it BDC. Basically, it gives you lines in your reticle that instead of dialing, and moving physically moving your reticle, causing you to have to point the barrel slightly higher or lower or left or right in order to you know compensate for some sort of uh, effect on the bullet. Um, you actually just use those hash marks in the reticle to hold over on each of the you know you hold over on the hash marks, and it causes you to point your barrel in this case higher to shoot at greater distances. So I'm probably making it more complicated. Your center of the reticle will be zeroed at say 50 yards. And then you'll use that pretty much all the way out to about 200 yards. Your next line down will be what you hold over for 300 yards. Your next line down will be for 400 yards. And your next line down will be for 500 yards. And I think there's even little hash marks in between for like the 50-yard tweeners. Uh, There's some stuff in there for wind holdovers too. Uh, The idea is to make it fast and easy for you to shoot at at, at different distances. Um, So, yeah. It's pretty neat. I like it. Second focal plane, so you do need to use those features on six power, but you can always use the center of your reticle on any power, and that's never going to change as you change the magnification. So, cool, cool. Now, Mark, what's the difference between a Strike Eagle five to twenty-five and a Venom five to twenty-five? Well, are we ready to transition over? I would say so. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so on the table, Ryan, let's see, what do we got here? We've got a, uh, are we going to start at the top again? Oh, we might as well. Let's yeah. take it from the top. Yeah. You've got it in your hands? Give you it a rip. Give it a go? Okay, so again, you look at these two rifle scopes, and they seem, look, feel very nearly identical. We had alluded to this a little bit um, when we kicked this off. You go from the Venom, so rev stop, zero stop turret, exposed windage elevation, non-locking turrets. If you go up to the Strike Eagle, you do get that lock, okay? Uh, and so depending on what you're doing with the optic or where your personal um, feelings are on, on what you want from a comfort or tactical um, application, the lift lock turret mechanism may be a benefit for you. Um, I, I tend to like these because it, I know that when it's in the down position locked, I can't inadvertently rotate my turret. Now, we still incorporate the rev stop, zero stop system in there, so that's two layers of protection. Um, side parallax is standard, and then the addition of illumination. Uh, on a high-powered variable rifle scope, um, you, you'll find people all over the board on this, whether or not that holds merit. And so you choose your destiny. If you're using this in like an NRL 22 or a PRS competition or just recreationally shooting it and don't feel the need 
for illumination, save the scratch and get the venom. Um, if you are going to use it in variable light conditions and having that boost of illumination is going to be useful to you, um, the Strike Eagle is where it's at. That's a standard feature on there. Also comes with a throw lever, just like the Venom. Especially on low power, illumination yep. comes in handy. A first focal plane reticle will appear quite small on the lower power, so if you can brighten it up a little bit, that may help it stand out more. Yes. Um, looking at the Strike Eagle counterpart, if you will, to the Venom 3 to 15 is the Strike Eagle 3 to 18. Uh, here again, illumination, lift lock, capped windage. You'll see that as, as congruity between these two models, throw lever included. Again, both are first focal plane optics. The Strike Eagle is giving the shooter just a little bit more magnification, a little bit more adjustment range uh, in total with the rev stop out. Um, and again, a little bit more of an advanced option. But here again, you control your destiny. If those are features that you don't believe you need, that Venom is going to come in super attractive and save you a bit of scratch, which you can spend mm -hmm. on ammo and match mm -hmm. entry fees. The security of a locking turret is important to me. Sure. Um, Nothing to sneeze at. But I will say, in the Venom line, in the 3 to 15, with that capped windage, which which is actually the one that at least, I you know, that's the worry personal, about yep. you know, that's the one that I worry about more. I find it that is probably because I've run the HSLR, original HSLR so much, that um, like being mindful and keeping track of my elevation turret is like, kind of almost part of my process it's also one thing to worry about it's also easier to see um and i also feel like it's less likely to get turned when you like throw it in a scabbard or in and out of a case or even just oh, you yeah. know on the back seat of your pickup or whatever so oh absolutely food for thought there yeah and with the with the zero stop system in there the elevation turret woes are more or less next because you always have the ability to go back to that mechanical Quick turn, hard stop boom. that's my my reference point and back to zero and here we go and and that that's it in a nutshell i mean the, the feature set is very similar you just get a little more features with the strike eagle um a little bit better optical solution mm -hmm. and a uh, little bit more travel range but again you may not need those things and that's why we want the venom save you a little bit and and give you the uh opportunity to enjoy as much now there is a low power variable option. Yes, in the Strike Eagle series, there is two, two, uh, and they are one to eight yes. by twenty fours, yes. um, versus the one to six that you'll find in with that new Venom uh, LPVO. Um, they are not identical. Uh, no, and they, I mean I guess of course they're not identical when you're talking a first and a second focal plane, but. Well, so what you have is you have a one to eight second focal plane. So um, in this case, it's yeah, it's kind of its its own unique thing. Don't picture the venom just with two extra mags tacked onto it. Uh, it is a one to eight second focal plane. Uh, great optic for on ARs. I mean, really all the same things, all the same applications that we brought up with the venom one to six, but you get eight instead of six. Um, and then obviously the Strike Eagle optical system there. Now, there is also a Strike Eagle 1 to 8 first focal plane. Now, actually, uh, this is a newer optic overall, and kind of a, uh, this is where Mark is talking about they're not identical. This is actually a, a completely different optical system altogether uh, than the second focal plane, Strike Eagle uh, 1 to 8. So, with the first focal plane, of course, you get the first focal plane 
reticle, which in a low-power variable actually can be quite advantageous, especially as you tack on more magnification. We get into that 8, maybe we're talking 10 power, you know, like the Razer 1 to 10 or something like that. Uh, because now you're talking about a scope that's getting more magnification, getting more opportunity to stretch its legs and uh, and shoot at greater distances uh, and allow you, you know, the ability to see targets at greater distances. So a first focal plane reticle where now all those features other than the center part of your reticle that do rely on a proper scale to the size of the image now they actually retain their same scale to the image because as you zoom in, the image gets bigger and the reticle gets bigger at the exact same rate. As you zoom out and the image gets smaller, the reticle shrinks at the exact same rate. Um, so that is uh, a nice feature. And it can be something that people are really looking for in a small, lightweight, one-to-something optic. Um, and so here, though, with both of these 1-to-8s, we do have some comparable features like they both still have the capped elevation windage turrets, they still have the illumination intensity settings on the side. And, uh, you know, so they both have 30 millimeter tubes. Similar, uh, similar overall length. I think the 1.8 first focal plane is just a, just a titch bigger. But um, that's probably mostly with the upgraded turrets, I would say, um, mm -hmm. that it has, you know, over the, uh, over the second focal plane. So a couple of different options there. What's this reticle in the first focal plane? Model called this one's kind of the uh, this one's kind of the flagship of the low power variables there in the Strike Eagle. What which reticle does it have specifically? ARBDC eight. ARBDC eight. So it has also uh, a BDC inside that is optimized for the five five six caliber. Uh, but again, like Ryan said, you can always kind of uh, use that information and apply it to other calibers and cartridges and things of that nature. Uh, but it has a, a reticle and, and BDC specific, specific to that. It's just that now it's really easy to use those holdovers on three power, four power, five power, six power, seven power, three and a half power. What I found with the 1.8 FFP, it was an optic that I was lukewarm on. Yeah. I was like, why are we doing a first focal plane in a 1.8? Um, then I got behind one on my first on range action with it. I was like, oh, that's pretty special. And it, the typical benefit to the first focal plane, as Jim had mentioned, is your your reticle scaling keeps you um, active with the reticle at any magnification. Um, my argument to myself was, well, am I really going to be holding over at under 8x? And maybe not, but the display and formatting of that reticle as that one or as that first focal plane reticle appears to shrink, it's not actually it's staying the same relative to the target. When you look at it, it looks much more like a red dot. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a, a smaller, more brilliant aiming point in the center of the reticle as opposed to the second focal plane where the image just appears to shrink, the reticle appears to be static. Um, I loved driving that and it immediately became a convert and wish I could go back in time and beat myself up for even questioning it. Uh, it fell I mean, lovely. at one, and that's what I was just doing, if you're watching on YouTube, I was... Yep futzing with this thing yeah i cranked it to one and had the illumination on and it really is quite an, brilliant quite brilliant yeah it's a nice system yeah i would concur as well it's kind of a feel thing like you do have to get um you do have to uh, scope them out i guess i was looking for a different word but <laughs> i'm just gonna pun. say scope them out um pun. you have to yeah and you have to feel it out somewhat you know with uh with optics there is a level of finding what works for you 
And I would say in low power variables, there are a lot of people who absolutely wave the first full complaint flag. And there are a fair amount of people who say, no, won't do it. Got to be second full complaint. And they all bring up reasons that according to their specific applications are oftentimes very valid. So, you know, there's a reason why, you know, when first focal plane low power variables started becoming more and more of a thing that they didn't absolutely just extinctify uh, the second focal plane options. And uh, but there is a reason why they still exist and why they are quite popular now, uh, because people now have that option. So that is pretty much what it comes down to between these two families of optics. You know, there is the optical uh, differences that we brought up, and it's really difficult for us to explain that to you. Yeah. it's it's I, I get so sick of, of telling people, like, oh, well, you know, when you step up to this level, you get better optical quality, better edge-to-edge resolution, you get better low-light performance. Because it's like, that's all just, it's true, but you, you don't actually understand that until you see it. What were you going to say? Right? I have to make a correction to myself. I said ARBDC8. It is EBR. Hate. Oh, oh! <laughs> Thank you for making that correction. Um, I'm well. It was close sure enough. Many tomatoes have already flown. It was close enough that I was like, "Close enough yeah, is only close enough right. in horseshoes." Mark, the game of horseshoes. Hang hand grenades. I've never played hand grenades with my friends. Yeah, you should try it. Not interested. <laughs> I have a lot less friends than I used to, but we one, have fun. Close one, enough. <laughs> one small thing, I, I don't know if we did or didn't point this out, but in both the uh, low-power variable options in the Venom and Strike Eagle series, they have a 30-millimeter tube versus their higher-made counterparts, which all have a 34-millimeter tube. Yep. So, just of note. That's pretty common. Yeah, I would say that's low-power the Low-power variables norm. tend to have 30-millimeter tubes. There is the you know occasional exception. The Razor 1 to 10 has a 34, but... See, see a lot in the 30 millimeter tube range. All right, guys. There you have it. Uh, the differences between the Venom and Strike Eagle series. Some new additions. Some exciting new additions. Yes. And uh, yeah. What uh, folks out there, what do you have planned for your next rifle? Is it one of these? Hopefully. Which one are you going to pick? I am unusu- I'm unusually excited about the prospect of capability with some of these budget-minded <laughs> precision rifles, be it centerfire or rimfire, and optics like the Venom. Truly a golden era of optics that we are living in right now. Yes, it is. Love it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Happy hunting and shooting. Hopefully this makes you or helps you make a selection uh, in your optic rifle scope life quest. We'll catch you on the next one. See you.